that person won't be scattered. They won't faint. Scattered means to be chased by a predator, right? That's what it means. The enemy won't be able to chase a person that has a pastor. It's can't because they're protected, they're cared for. If you look at 1 Peter 5, 8, Now, some of this we know, but the issue is what we're seeing in the world today is this confusion. What's happening? What's going to happen here? What's going to happen there? And you know, the pat answer even for believers, and I believe we should have that pat answer, is that, you know, well, ultimately, uh, uh, you know, I know who's in charge. I'm in the kingdom. I know, you know, Jesus is never going to not be on the throne. And I know that. But here's the thing, what's going to be so important about the local church in the days coming up is this, is the stability that's found in the local church. People need to know not only that things are going to be okay, they need to know why things are going to be okay. Sheep need a calming influence in their life that will not only just say things are going to be all right, but minister the word and minister under the anointing and administer that calm that only comes from the Holy Spirit where you can leave the service and know everything's going to be okay. Because people need to know that. That's why the Bible says that it requires mercy and truth for sheep to grow. All right? There's got to be mercy and there's got to be truth. The, 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 the time that we're living in right now, people are more concerned about things than they've ever been. They're concerned about things they can't see. They're concerned about, uh, obviously, things in the air, viruses, different things. They're concerned about the political scene. They're concerned about the finances. What happens if this guy gets in? What happens if that guy gets in? Here's the thing that, that, that we have to understand. So the world is searching. People are searching. Lukewarm Christians are searching. They're hurting. So there's an element of mercy there that people need in order to, 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 to comprehend that everything's going to be okay. But then there's the element of truth that here's what you need to do. Here's what needs to happen. And so what we see in the world today is this scattering. People are being chased by a predator, all right? The enemy won't be able to chase a person, though, who has a pastor. Notice 1 Peter 5 and 8. <clears throat> he says, be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Now, because of the faith a person receives as the words preached in their church, the enemy won't be able to chase you because there's, there's faith that's coming into your heart. Now, when you look at this and we see the connection, I ministered a series one time called Shepherds, Sheep, Goats, and Wolves, and the, the mutual connection, all right? There's a mutual connection, and when a person says this, when they say, this is my church, this is my pastor, this is where I belong, this is where God placed me, then 
ultimately what's being said is I'm placing myself under the care of that shepherd. All right? And Peter says, obviously, that the enemy roams about seeking whom he may devour. In the local church, he may not devour. We fall into the may not (coughs) category. (coughs) Excuse me. The easiest people for the enemy to devour are people that have no company that they can assemble with. All right? Now, sheep naturally (laughs) have no defenses. They just don't. If you look at a sheep in the natural, they are the most defenseless animal you've ever seen. And I think that's interesting that God likens his people to sheep. Where is the protection for the sheep in the shepherd? Do you see that? Look at John chapter 10. I'll show you something. This is important. Jesus says, beginning in verse 7, Then said Jesus unto them, Truly, truly, I say unto you, I'm the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I'm the door. By me, if any man enter in, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not before to steal, kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Now, there's something that's interesting to note here is that uh, when the shepherd would get the sheep in the fold, there was no gate at that time per se to close. The shepherd made his bed in the gate. He was the gate. He was the door. All right? Now, the reason this is so important is not because of a man or a woman, but because of the office and because of the anointing on the office. All right? No other fivefold ministry gift can produce what the pastoral gift can produce, and you find that in the local church. To prevent scattering in my life, I have to be in the fold that God called me to with that shepherd in the gate that's, that's, that is de- de- determining what's coming in, all right, and what's allowed to get to me. Do you see that? And, and when I'm assembling myself together there in that place, then there's going to be no scattering in my life. Amen. You'll look at people and you'll see their lives scattered. You'll look at people and you'll think, well, how do they live that way? And if you, if you check it out nine times out of ten, they don't have a company to call their own and they're not assembling themselves together. It's important. It's vital. And <clears throat> so the faith that you receive means the enemy won't be able to chase you. Look at 1 Thessalonians 3. 1 Thessalonians 3.
and uh, verse 10. Paul said to the Thessalonian church, he said, night and day he was praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Notice, we need to see your face so that we can know exactly what you need to perfect your faith. But he had to be there in their presence and see their face to know exactly what they needed to perfect their faith. When Jesus saw the faces of the hungry in Mark 6, he was moved with compassion when he saw their faces. That's one of the ways the Holy Spirit moves. Amen. I've, I've, I've been ministering before and just, and just look at the people and I would, it was like the Holy Spirit would center me up on somebody and I would just see the look of maybe concern or the look of whatever on their face and the Holy Spirit was able to minister to me about what to tell them, about what to speak into their lives. I, I got a phone call the other day from somebody that was facing, so, or actually it was a text which is my least favorite way of, of communicating. But anyway, they sent a text. They were having these different issues, these different problems. And uh, here's the thing, is it's going to be hard to fix certain things if I don't ever see your face. Right? That's kind of like calling your mechanic and saying, hey, my car's going like this. <laughs> Right? Well, I mean, I guess he could tell you what that sounds like, but he can't fix it over the phone. You have to take your car to the shop so he can work on the car and see what's going on. If I want God to minister to me the way that God can and the way that God wants to, I have to assemble myself together with people of like precious faith so that that anointing and that gifting on the man or the woman of God can operate and function and help me grow into what God wants me to do and what God wants me to be. Amen. So when Jesus saw the faces of the hungry in Mark 6, he was moved with compassion. I've known people that I had great compassion for. I wanted to help them. I wanted to help them change their life. But I could not get them to consistently assemble themselves together. Because here's the thing. The, the more that you're consistently under what's being preached and you're more consistently under what God's saying, the, obviously the more faith is coming. But the more consistently you're under that gift, that anointing, of the man or the woman of God that God has called to shepherd your lives, the more stability comes into your life because the anointing on that office of the pastor will cause you to begin to gather things. People will come to a church with their marriage failing. They're about, I've seen it time and time again. About to get a divorce. Nothing's going right. And they'll come and just sit under the word. It may not even be the word on marriage. It may not even be the word on relationships. It's just the word of God concerning whatever the subject is, but the anointing is flowing, and every time, bar none, I've watched them every time, regather everything the enemy was going to try to steal from them, put their marriages back together, give them back their family, 
Over and over and over and over again I've seen that because the anointing on the local church is so you can gather and receive everything God wants you to have. So important. And, and that's why people without a local church will struggle. And they won't just struggle because they're not going to church. Because you can just go to church and not be in the church that you're supposed to be in and you'll still struggle. You got to find the church that you're supposed to be in. Uh, I was talking to somebody, and we and we have individuals here that 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 drive 45 minutes or an hour to church, and and we've got people in in both locations. But I was talking to somebody one time, and and they drive quite a ways, and they said, "But you know what?" They said, "What we receive at church makes the drive worth it." Well, that's not just talking about me. I came to understand something a long time ago. That it's God that put the anointing to pastor on my life. God gets all the credit for everything. But here's here's the point. If Paul said in Romans, he said, you got to magnify your office. If If a pastor is afraid to magnify their office, they will never become proficient in their office. Because what you magnify, God glorifies. God, God will begin to operate even on a deeper level where that's concerned. And that's why you see people when, when maybe they sing or, or maybe they whatever, and somebody says, oh, brother, you know, sister, that sure was good. That sure was anointed. Oh, brother, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. God uses you to minister to the people. One person came, uh, a, a young man had sang one time on one of the, the, the Gaither events and, and Bill Gaither came up to him afterwards and said, son, that sure was good. That, that was really good. And the man said, oh, brother Bill, that was all God. That was all Jesus. And he said, no, it wasn't, son. Jesus is better than that. <laughs> right? So my, my, you understand my point is, is when people come and their lives are scattered, God will send them to a church. Why doesn't he just fix their marriage at home? Because there's no anointing to fix it. God operates through the channel of the anointing. If, if, if you're going to be healed, at some point, you're going to, by faith, tap into that healing anointing. But it's going to be the healing anointing that's going to heal you. Rather, rather you receive it, uh, uh, through the word or the laying on of hands, there are things, that, because when you read through, especially through the book of Ephesians, and you read through the, 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 the New Testament, all of the things that the Bible says you will, you will function in and find help in in the local church. Ephesians talks about finding help where your marriage is concerned, where your parenting is concerned, where your finances are concerned, where your character is concerned, where your integrity is concerned. Paul said all of those things could be found in the local church. So important because people's lives are so scattered. And that's part of the revival. That's part of the, of, of the, the uh, uh, restoration that is going to come in our nation. A real church that's being moved by God is not going to be preaching gloom and doom in the time we're in. We're going to be looking beyond what the world is seeing. Amen. Because what's going to happen, you mark my words, what's going to happen is ever who is president. I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know, but here's what I do know is this. Whoever it is, 
There's hurting people right now that are going to be looking for answers. And at some point, their hope meter is going to bottom out. And their lives are going to start being scattered. Right now, in our nation, we have a higher divorce rate than ever. We have a higher suicide rate than ever. We have a higher depression rate than ever. Things, people's lives are falling apart. And we have the answer. We have the answer. And, and, and when they come and they join themselves, and, and, that's, and that's, what, that's what has been so detrimental. And please don't misunderstand what I'm saying when I say this. Folks, listen, I'm all about taking care of yourself and protecting yourself. You, you know my heart there. I don't, I don't have to explain that to you. But that's what's been so detrimental with the enemy trying to make people afraid of people. That we read it in Hebrews 10. He said, when you come together and you assemble yourselves together, you can provoke each other to good works. You can edify one another. You can build one another up. Right? But if I'm never assembled together, if I'm, if I'm never with my company, nobody can edify me and build me up and cause and spur me on is what that means. Amen. So Paul said, I want to see you so I can perfect something that's lacking in your faith. When Samuel was sent to anoint David, the brothers passed by. All of Eliab, all of the brothers. Samuel even said, surely this Lord's anointed is before me. And what God say? He said, you're looking on his outward appearance. I'm looking on the heart. Right? Well, the anointing worked when David did what? Stood in front of him. He said, do you have any more boys? And he said, I got one more, but he's watching the sheep. He said, okay, we're not sitting down till he comes. And it says, when David walked in the door, Samuel said, the Lord's anointed. And he stood up and anointed him. But, but notice, it was when he stood in front of him. Not by telling us who the king was. Right? The anointing worked when David stood in front of him. <laughs> the people on Christian TV can't see your face and tell what you need. You need a place, you need a pastor who can see your face and be stirred by the Spirit to follow the direction of what you need. Right? That's why the Bible says, and Paul wrote to the pastor, he said that, that all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction in righteousness, that the man of God might be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So that means in the local church at any given time, there are those flows. There may be time, there, there, there may be time that there has to be reproof or correction or, whatever, or building up or edifying or whatever it may be. But the point is, is that when my pastor's seeing my face, he can be stirred by the Spirit to follow the direction of what I need. So people should go to the place where the pastor's anointed to see your face. He has an anointing to impart from the office they stand in. And I'll say this again, the main anointing on a pastor is to keep your life from being scattered by feeding your faith. To keep your life from being scattered. So Paul wrote this letter there in 1 Thessalonians 
to perfect their faith. But notice, he still needed to see them to know what they needed. It's a divine connection between pastor and sheep. When God brought order to chaos in the beginning, he spoke things into order. And that's how God restores order in your life. He uses that gift, that pastoral gift, to speak things into working order. In uh, Ephesians 4, Glory to God. I believe I'm helping you. Amen. Ephesians 4, 11. And again, this is one of those familiar verses. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some pastors, or some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Well, the word... Perfecting means right ordering, rendering fit or arrangement. Right ordering, rendering fit or arrangement. Maturity. So the word that's ministered in the local church that the pastor preaches acts like God's word did in Genesis 1. All right? Without the word... There's dysfunction. Where the word is, there's no dysfunction. Because there's the right ordering. There's the rendering fit. There's arrangement. All right? Listen, I learned how to be a husband in the local church. I, I didn't learn from Dr. Phil. He, he wasn't even around when I got married. But I, right? I, that's not what I learned. I, I didn't learn from my buddies at the gym how to be a husband. I learned from my pastor sitting on the front row from the Word of God. Amen. That, that he would be preaching on a totally different subject, and all of a sudden he would just stop and say, I just feel like I need to say this, and he would say something about marriage, and it would be the exact answer I needed. Amen. Amen. I tell people all the time, if you, would, if you will show up to church and assemble yourselves together regularly, your need for counseling will go way down. Most people that I've ever had to counsel in my life, the very first thing I had to talk to them about was I don't see you in church very often. Because the answers are there. When you come to church on a Wednesday night, a Sunday morning, a Sunday night, and you're bringing your supply, and you're determined to pull, and you're determined to receive, your desire reaches in and taps into something in the, on the, in the anointing of that pastor and brings the answer to you. Brings the answer out of that person to you. And, and we call it a rabbit trail or a little, you know, side journey. It's somebody reached out and grabbed that anointing and said, I need to know about this. Right? And it wasn't just their human nature. It was something they needed God to give them an answer for. And, and that occurs, right, that right ordering because I'm assembled where I need to be. See, I've had people before 
And please don't misunderstand me. I'm relational. I'm a very relational person. But, but here's what I've, I've learned is that, well, let me use my example for my own personal self, is this. My pastor's not my buddy. Right? Because I don't want to just know him after the flesh. Not that he's hiding anything in his flesh. It's, it's my perception. Right? I, so I maintain that distance. And, and you understand what I mean by that? The, the local church pastor is with the sheep. I am your pastor. I have relationships with people because of, of work that I do with different ones and staff members. I may have a closer relationship with some than others. But here's, here's the point. I'm always available. I'm your pastor. We have a relationship. But that is a God-ordained relationship between shepherd and sheep, pastor and member. All right? When it becomes something that it was not meant to be, it affects how I can receive. Do you see that? I had a guy one time that, that he uh, uh, would come to church, and don't misunderstand when I say this, I'm not, I'm not adamant on titles, but he would always come to church, and when he would see me, he'd say, What's up, bud? And I'd say, How you doing? Good to see you. So the next Sunday, he'd be there, and I'd be walking down the, the hallway, and he'd say, Hey, buddy, what's up, buddy? And finally, one day, they called my dad Buddy. My dad's name was Murdy, all right, Murdy Jack. And, but they called him Buddy. You can see why. And uh, <laughs> Buddy or MJ. And so finally, one day, he, he you know, and, and he gave me this. You know how, hey, Buddy. And I said, Buddy's my dad. I'm pastor. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not trying to be ugly. But I had to get him to see something. If I'm just Buddy, you only get what Buddy has. And Buddy doesn't have any anointing to help you. Right? Do you understand what I'm, why I'm saying this? Because, because I know there are people that think they can't, you know, hang out or, or listen, I've been fishing with people in the church, shooting with people in the church, play ball. I mean, I, I love to get out and go and do things. But here's what I've had to learn is I can do that with people that will maintain the understanding that first and foremost, this is my pastor. Right? Because there's something there. If I just know my pastor after the flesh, then that familiarity will hinder me from receiving. Amen. Don't you remember? And, and, and we know these verses, but the Bible says that, that Jesus preached that the Spirit of the Lord was on him because he had anointed him. And they said, uh, where did he get this learning isn't this Mary's son, Joseph's boy? Isn't his brothers here with us? And what's it say? He can do their no mighty work. Except laid his hands on a few sick people. Now, Rick Renner says those were the sickest of the sick. 
All right, so he was able to do a few miracles in healing the sickest of the sick, but how many didn't get healed? Because of the familiarity. Do, do, do you see this? So the pastor is a normal person, but the anointing comes on them, and when the anointing comes on someone, they're anything but normal. Right? So we magnify the office and the anointing. But listen, here's why. When God anointed the pastor, he had the people in mind. When when I do pastor's conferences, I tell them, God anointed you for the people. He didn't anoint you for you. He anointed you for the people. God had the people in mind. So you respect the anointing. Now, somebody that cares about the people is going to order their life right and align their life right. I'm not talking about ignoring things that are wrong because that person's anointed. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Somebody that's anointed and cares about people is going to live right. All right? Amen. I told one person one time, uh, they were talking about, you know, uh, uh, living right. and, And I said, look. Here's the simple reason why I live right. Number one, I want to please God. And number two, I'm not going to hell for nobody. There's nothing anybody would want me to get involved in that's worth going to hell for. And one day, I've got to stand before God, and all of y'all are going to be standing there with me. And I'm going to present you mature to Jesus Christ. I'm not saying you're not mature. I'm saying I'm going to present you mature to Christ because Paul said in the book of Colossians that that was the pastor's job is to present the sheep mature to God. Amen. And, And you can mature just by showing up, just by being under that anointing. My goodness. Amen. The way... You respect the anointing determines how you receive because the office has a supply. And what you honor, you draw to yourself. Amen. When, uh, for instance, when uh, my friend, Prophet Ford, when he's here, there's a different anointing. Why? He's not a pastor. And he'll tell you that he's gladly not a pastor. Well, but here's the point. Will you receive from that anointing? Yes, you will. What will you receive? Whatever is in that supply. The primary gifting on a prophet is to break things loose and cause acceleration in people's lives. And if, if you're there and you're listening, but, but where is that gift? What is that gift intended? Where is it intended to help the most? In the local church. Where did he place that gift in, according to Scripture? In the local church. The, that gift is to help the local church. Amen. But here's the thing. The way you respect the anointing determines how you receive. What you honor, you draw to yourself. You lose what you don't esteem. 
You lose what you don't esteem. Hallelujah. Some pastors have a greater anointing outside the church because they've become familiar to the people. I've known pastors like that. Well, I go out here and, and man, people just respond and, 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 and God moves. Well, it's my job to make sure I do what I need to do to keep the door open to minister, right? It's your job not to become familiar. Man, he's going to preach on Mark 11 again. I mean, Hebrews 11 again, local church again, that's familiarity, right? Brother Hagin said something one time. He said, God responds to people who are thrilled with the word, right? He said, I have to be thrilled with the word of God, amen. Lot, notice this, prospered because of the connection to Abraham, he lost it when he left. Saul connected to Samuel and lost it when he disconnected. Judas prospered in ministry, but he lost his ministry when he disconnected from Jesus. See, protect the relationship, that's key. I protect, and, and I'm talking as a person with a pastor with a pastor. I protect that relationship because that's key. The enemy will try to destroy. You see, all other ministry offices are sent to the body at large. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher, all sent to the body at large. But there's only one pastoral gift that God gave you in the church that you're assembled in. And so I have to protect that. I only have one pastor. I have to protect that. Amen. People should examine what they hear others say by the standard of what they hear from their pastor. Why? Because their pastor has the highest supply. In a church member's life, their pastor has the highest supply. Why? Because those other ministers are not speaking into your life consistently. God's not going to give the best food to someone that you hear every six months. He's going to give the highest supply to the person that you're feeding off of all the time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Notice 1 Corinthians 11. We're almost done. But uh, this is important. And, you know, I used to teach on this early on. And I would always, early on, very early on. Now, I've been pastoring full time for 22 years next month. And, but the point is, is I used to hear this, preach on these things early on, and it would come into my mind, you know, what would people think or whatever the case may be. But then I begin to watch people's lives that abandon not just the church, but just 
the church that God placed them in. And I saw this scattering come in. Because there's an anointing there to keep things together. Amen. I've told the church over the years, we're going to get through whatever we may be going through. We're going to get through it. If I got to put you on my back, we're going to get through it. Right? Because I won't quit. And no quit in me. All right? So 1 Corinthians 11, verse 29, notice what he says. Well, it helps if I'm in 1 Corinthians. I was in 2, and that didn't make sense. <laughs> it says, For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh, uh, eateth and drinketh damnation or judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Now, obviously, we read this over communion very often, but basically what he's saying is they don't recognize their help. When you're talking about the local church and the office of the pastor, honor the office, see the office, recognize your help. Recognize your help. A lot of people miss God because it looks like it's coming from a man. You know, when your pastor asks you to do something, more often than not, it's God asking you to do it. Well, I feel, I feel like that you would be good at this. Well, they just, just didn't think that up. Right? A pastor that's praying for his people, God will deal with them and say, this person would be good here. Or this person would be good here. Because the Bible says in Ephesians 4, we read it earlier, it says that the job of the pastor is to perfect the saints for what reason? The very first reason, the work of the ministry. So as you come to the local church, you're matured, you're perfected. Remember, things are set in order. So there are people that come to churches that have an anointing, that have a call on their life from God, but things are scattered, things are out of order, and God will bring them to that church and not give them a pulpit to preach in or a platform to preach from, but he'll start bringing things back into order and arranging things properly so that the anointing can then begin to flow through that person like it should. Hallelujah. Amen. That, listen, that's what happened to me. I, I, I'll, never, I'll, never forget, I'll never forget the day that I, uh, the, the church that we were going to in Kansas City and God had brought me there and, and I, had, I had ministered there once, I, I think once, maybe, maybe twice and the pastor called me in the office one day and he, he was talking to me and he said, uh, you know, you have uh, uh, an anointing like none of the other ministers here have. I said, okay. He said, you have a grasp on the word and, and you have an understanding of the scripture and, and you know, uh, I'll be very honest with you. You know, I just kind of set up a little higher in my chair and, and you know, yeah, say on, Pastor. And then he looked at me and he said, but I can't use you. And I said, well, why not? He said, because you're full of pride. 
People say, what, what happened? I got mad. Evidence that he was right. Right? Humility doesn't get angry. I can tell you about everything that he preached on except that day. Because I walked out of his office and sat down on the front row. I don't even think I opened my Bible. I was mad. I couldn't wait to get out of there. If it hadn't just would have embarrassed me, I'd have walked out right there. I'm glad I didn't. And on, on the way home, I'm mad. I'm talking to my wife. I'm just mad. And, and, but by the time I got home, I realized he was right. God did something in me in that five or ten minutes in that office that, that, that solidified something in me and corrected some things. There are things that God will show a pastor in your life that you would never look at yourself. You may know they're there, but you would never look at them yourself because you don't want to deal with it. And maybe you'll come to church and the pastor will preach a message on that. And the answer comes to you, and then if you'll self-correct, nobody ever has to know you were dealing with it. Because you self-correct. I've, to, I've told the men in my church for years, I have avoided many trips to the pastor's office because when he would say something, even to this day, when he says something that's corrective, I just self-correct. I just change it. If I need to hit the brakes, I hit the brakes. If I need to speed up, I speed up. I was reading something in my notebook that he said to me in uh, Dodge City, Kansas. Wasn't corrective, but it was instructive. And I had to go back and, and ask the Lord, am I doing that? Am I walking in that? Amen. Do you see this? So Jesus said, receive the one I sent and you receive me. Right? Now, now we hear that, but think about it. So this, what I'm saying tonight is not a take it or leave it proposition. Jesus said, them that receive you, receive me. And them that receive me, receive him that sent me. Right? So, in you, if you look at Matthew 10, this will be our last scripture, I think. Well, it needs to be, I, I fixed my clock today, and it's the correct time. And it tells me that our hour of power is about up. Matthew 10, verse 40. He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. Now look, notice, that's telling you how to receive a gift. And when I talk about a gift, I mean a person. All right? Uh, 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 the pastor, the, the gift, the, that, that person that's anointed to speak into your life. I receive them like I would receive Jesus. Now, that's reciprocated. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. A lot of pastors teach that to get some level of honor. And they're teaching it for the wrong reason. We're talking about the anointing on the house and the anointing on that man or woman that stands in the position of a pastor. When you receive it correctly, 
It's like Jesus ministering to you. All right? He said, verse 41, He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. He that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man receives a righteous man's reward. And whoever will give a drink to one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, truly I say to you that he will in no wise lose his reward. So notice, he says, receive a prophet, a righteous man, or a disciple. Now, this could be three people, or it could be one person. It depends on how you receive them. If you receive your pastor as a disciple, there's a level of blessing to that. If you receive them as a righteous person, there's a level of blessing. If you receive them as a prophet, there's a higher level of blessing. It's how you receive. When you, when you read the, the story of the, of the uh, Shunammite woman and uh, uh, the prophet, Elisha, when he came and she was, he was constantly going by and she told her husband, I perceive that this man is a prophet of God. And she said, so let's do something. Let's receive him properly. Let's make a little room, right? Let's, let's put in it everything he's going to need, a bed, a table, a chair, a lamp. And that way when he comes by, he can turn in there and rest. How she received him. How many other people watched him walk through that city day after day after day and it never occurred to them, this is a man of God. And they made no preparation. How many of those people needed what she needed or wanted or maybe even more and didn't get it and the answer was in their city every other day? Amen. She received it. And when he turned in hither, isn't it funny? He's laying there one day and he tells his servant, uh, uh, bring that Shunammite. And she says, uh, he says, uh, what, what, what do you want for all your kindness? Now think about that for a moment. He asked her, you've been good to us. What do you want? You want to be spoken to of the king? What, what do you need? She said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I, I live among my own people. And you know, Gehazi, he missed it on down the road. But boy, he got it here. He stepped up. And he said, well, but she don't have no children. And her husband's old. And Elijah said, okay. About this time next year, you're going to have a son. What'd she say? Don't, don't you lie to me. Don't play with me. What, what's that mean? That's the desire of my heart. That anointing not only gave her something, it touched the desire of her heart. It was exactly what she needed. Amen. And she had that boy. And that boy lived 18 years. 18 years. Think about this for a moment. 18 years and he died. Her honor for the man of God did not weaken. She went back 
where she received the promise the first time. And the same anointing on the same man of God that touched the very desires of her heart was able to bring back life and order and prevent her family from being scattered. The same anointing brought it back together and produced life where there was death. That's what happens when you come to the local church. It's not just a one-time thing. It's for the duration of your life. Every time you need something, the potential to have an answer is there when you walk through that door and sit down in the chair. The potential for your life to change is always there. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And I'll finish with this. Because how you receive determines what you receive. There was a minister one time that... uh, (laughs) He said they were in an airport, and, uh, you know, if you've traveled much by air, I mean, especially with certain airlines, there seems to be a lot of delays at times. And he said they were traveling, uh, uh, and that all of a sudden, you know, they said, uh, this flight has been canceled. And so, you know, come to the kiosk, and, and we'll try to help you. And he said him and his wife were standing behind this guy. And this guy was just going off. He was just mad. He was cussing. He was yelling. And uh, uh, you got to do something. You got to do this. And the lady was just typing. And she kept saying, I can't help you, sir. Nothing I can do for you. I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do. Oh, he was mad, livid. And finally, uh, he just stormed off. And he said, we stepped up there. And he said, uh, I looked at her and I said, you know what? I know you're, you're having a bad day, you know, and I don't want to make it any harder on you. But, you know, if there's anything that you think you might be able to do for us, you know, and they gave her uh, their tickets. And he said, I was just talking to her and she was just typing. And he said, she hit a button and two boarding passes printed off and she handed them to us and said, yeah, just go right down there. That flight's about to leave. And she said, and he said, he looked at her, she looked at him and said, I could have did the same thing for him if he'd have just been nice. How you receive determines what you receive. There are people that come to the local church every week and will tell you that they don't get anything and that church isn't important because that's how they walk in the door. It's like it's no big deal. It's just just another event. This tonight and Sunday and whenever you come to church, this is the event of your week. This is the crowning achievement of your week. This is is more important than any of the programs the kids are having, anything that I've got on my calendar. Church is a calendar-worthy event because it's there that the anointing is going to meet me and my life's going to change. I believe God. Amen? Well, stand up, everybody. Praise God.